Our second scripture lesson this morning comes from the prophet Isaiah. The word of the Lord that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that God may teach us God's ways and that we may walk in God's paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. God shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up war against nation Neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord God Almighty, We have called upon your spirit, and so we ask once more that your spirit may be with us in this house. You have called us here. Speak. We are listening. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. That was supposed to be me. In the original sabbatical grant, it wasn't the mountain of the house of the Lord, it was the mountain of the Lord. Not Jerusalem, but Mount Sinai in Egypt. The place where God called Moses in the burning bush, and Moses received the Ten Commandments, and Elijah heard the still, small voice. And Jesus spoke with Moses and Elijah and became dazzling white. The original sabbatical grant had been making a pilgrimage to that place where Moses' face shone like the sun. But the pilgrimage was not to be because it was unsafe to travel in the Sinai. But still, I was determined And those who helped me write the grant were determined that I make a pilgrimage. I was at a bit of a loss, since I had not really planned on taking a different kind of pilgrimage. But 
I had the hope of something happening, of meeting God in a new way, of getting perspective on 25 years of ministry. So I'd heard of this place in Scotland called a thin place where heaven and earth seemed to touch. And I stuffed waterproof pants because it's Scotland in the springtime and gale force winds and lots of rain are not unusual. Waterproof pants and hiking boots into our smallest suitcase and took the red line. My home is not far from Silver Spring. Transferred trains. Exited at Reagan International. Boarded a plane to Glasgow where I walked around most of the day and then spent a night in the top bunk of a hostel. In the morning, I found my way to the Queen Street Station for a three-hour train ride to the coastal town of Oban, passing rivers and lakes they called locks and rugged green hillsides and waterfalls. It was so beautiful. The sheep, the Shetland cattle, At Oban, I transferred for a two-hour ferry ride across Mull to across Lake Linnick, Loch Linnick, to Craignure, a port town on the Isle of Mull. At Craignature, I boarded a bus (laughs) to travel 45 minutes across the Isle of Mull, filled with sheep and so green, to Finneport, where at Finneport I boarded another ferry to the island of Iona. At Iona, the ferry dumped us off in the port, and somebody grabbed our suitcases, and we were set out to walk the last part of that journey up the hill through ancient ruins to the beautiful abbey. And I was like a first year coming to Hogwarts. It was breathtaking and amazing and I felt like I truly had come to this special place where there was magic. It wasn't magic, it was the Spirit of God. As this little island was this piece of heaven that had fallen to earth, a very thin place where you sense God's presence all around. It was so beautiful. White sand beaches, aqua and blue. As beautiful as the Caribbean. The green was so green and filled with those sheep and cattle. The ancient ruins told of hundreds of years of people of faith coming there, drawn there by that spirit that just was there. It was an old nunnery that had not been restored, but still, standing in that place and knowing that in the year 800, these women survived Viking attacks 
and kept the place going, there is a power in being in that place. I never expected. The Spirit introduced me to people to help me reflect on my ministry. The Spirit introduced me to people through conversations that healed my soul. Rather than climbing up a mountain to speak with God, I went to the beach in the rocks and hid myself in the cleft of the rock to pray and listen to the waves. And I was changed. I rested. I was renewed. I was made more whole in the presence of God. Pilgrimage is a strange word. It is one of those medieval words that we think of the pilgrim going out on the Canterbury Tales or the white hat with the big belt buckle holding the turkey. We may think of the Muslims who make that pilgrimage of the Hajj to Mecca. We think of that pilgrimage as a long journey to a sacred place with the intention of meeting God, experiencing healing or forgiveness or knowledge or insight or wisdom or renewal. It doesn't have to be an official sacred place. It is our intention of seeking the divine and listening and being called to wholeness. It is a place where we seek and go with that intention to come close to the holy. Now, in biblical times, people knew that to look on the face of God was to die. It's like during the eclipse and they told you, do not look at the sun. You will be blinded. You'll burn your corneas out. Don't do it. But still, there was just this temptation, especially for us with the partial eclipse, there was just this temptation. And it's that way with God. With the face of God, we are drawn to look at the face of God. And it does mean death. And resurrection. Pilgrimage, coming close to God, near or far, holds the hope of change. The hope of being healed, forgiven, renewed. Our nation 
needs people who know about death and resurrection. Our nation needs people who know about the mysterious power of divine love that can strip you naked and bare, only to bring you forth as a newborn baby fresh from the womb. We need pilgrim people who know that the path can be difficult, and yet we have the strength of one another who are willing to journey through death and resurrection and be lifted to new life. This past week, some people took a pilgrimage to Boston or San Francisco to seek love, to seek love in the presence of so many people, so many pilgrims believing in the power of healing, the power of love. They came with hope for wholeness and change. And love drowned out hate. And don't we need that? People, and some of you, made a pilgrimage to Oregon or South Carolina or Nevada. My family made a pilgrimage to the end of the driveway to see the eclipse and join in that experience at least a little. People spoke about experiencing the awe of that cosmic event and feeling the full power of something that embraces all the earth greater than the earth, that cosmic experience of death and resurrection, of waiting for the darkness to descend and trusting that the light will come again. And the people who were there talk about the darkness and the cold and even in the beauty of the corona that comes in the darkness and how all creation knew and the birds were silent. And awe, not just at the natural world, but awe in the way in which people came together. We didn't have eclipse glasses at my house, and so we had made the little cardboard box, which really didn't work that well. Um, a pinhole meets a pinhole, not the end of a paperclip. And our neighbors joined us at the end of the driveway with two pieces of van- uh, manila folder, and they had a really good one. We went and got the colander and saw the moons and saw the crescent moon shadows from the leaves. It was marvelous. And I had to go to the dentist just at that time, and I was driving down the road to the dentist, and there were people on the side of the road with one pair of eclipse glasses, and I pulled over, and I got out of my car and went up to these total strangers and said, can I see? And of course, And I looked and shared. And there was this 
this sense of hearing about people and the way people came together to share that cosmic event. As one person said, and for a moment, everyone in our nation stopped and looked up at the sky and we were one. At the beginning of the sermon I said, it was supposed to be me, that pilgrim worshiper climbing up to the mountain. It was wrong of me to say that it wasn't me. And not because I went to Iona. I am in the house of the Lord. You are in the house of the Lord. Together, we are here in the presence of the divine for a divine encounter with the hope to be changed and healed and forgiven and renewed, to gain strength from our fellow pilgrims on the journey of life, passing through death and resurrection again and again to get to that kingdom where at last there is peace and we are one. People have been coming to our church for more than a hundred years. The stones here have been steeped with song and have absorbed prayer. For just a moment, let us be silent and consider the beauty of this place. and encounter the divine. Amen.